Welcome back to the Cracked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Folkstead, joined by Reed Tingley. Um, how you doing, Reed? Oh, man, this is kind of wild to finally be in the Ohio State game week, to be honest. I feel like we've waited for this game for almost three years now, really, it feels like, with the Oregon, mm-hmm. with the match Ben Eugene being canceled. Now, to finally be in the final days before it, it's it's pretty wild feeling, I would say. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty nervous like yourself. Uh, I get to come <laughs> yeah. back home to Oregon tomorrow, so that's nice. But in the meantime, I'm still stuck on the East Coast, uh, which, by the way, the East Coast sucks for watching football. Um, games don't start till noon, which obviously, like, is not the best time to mention that, considering the the timing we have this week um but like i i just miss waking up to football like starting you know yeah uh, or waking up to corso's headgear instead of like wake up actually watch game day for three hours um and then enter games and then the pac-12 games don't end till like 2 a.m um i like i like where i'm at in new orleans a lot because i have that game start at 11 so like I, uh, you know, I usually wake up at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday and then I get that out last hour of game day in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's then I'm nice. in the games. Yeah. That's pretty nice. And I stay up late anyways. But I like the West Coast a lot, too, because, you know, like I like on West Coast, I wake up at 830, get that headgear pick in. And then it's like football starts and it basically stretches all day with the. Yeah, yeah, literally. You know? And uh-huh. you can stay up and listen to some reaction that way, too. Because yeah. on, on East Coast, it's like as soon as games go final, it's like you crash. Yeah, man. Oh. I was, as listeners know, I was having a tough time staying awake, uh, <laughs> even when we were recording last time. Um, it was just so damn late. Um, but yeah, uh, so today we'll, we'll kind of go into some final thought. If you're new here and if you're not used to our sort of usual routine, usually our Tuesday pod, we go through like our final thoughts on last week's game. Um and then we'll talk some national stuff before we get closer into uh, the the game for this week. So we'll do our final thoughts on Fresno first, um, talk about some polls, national games, uh, maybe some Pac-12 stuff, and then we'll get into Ohio State. Um, so first of all, man, like we said, let's dive into kind of the Fresno rewatch stuff. Um, both of us watch the uh, QB 11 stream. If you haven't done that before, go check it out. It's still up on Twitch. I watched it um, recorded. Uh, he and Hithleday did a great job breaking down the games as they always do. Um, they even threw some UW tape in there, which was kind of nice. Put <laughs> um, nice things little... in perspective a bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get a nice little break from our own horror show, uh, which I mean, I, that's, that's relative. Like it wasn't that bad. Um, as, as the Huskies have shown us in the past and showed us last weekend, it can always get worse. Um, so yeah, who kind of, maybe who are some guys who stood out to you uh, from the Fresno game that maybe we didn't hit on as much in the first pod uh, for better or for worse. I got my own list here, but um, I'm sure we'll have some crossover. Yeah. Well, I got to stop with, I got, I mean, I got to start, sorry, with the best player on the team. Oh yeah. Brandon Dorless. Dorless. Yeah. Brandon Dorless. He was awesome. Like mm-hmm. on the rewatch, especially, I think caught up in the moment, you kind of 
and Thibodeau's out for so long too. I didn't realize he'd gone out that early in the first quarter, kind of mm-hmm. before I did the rewatch. Um, or he went out kind of, you know, he went out in the first quarter with like four minutes left, maybe. Yeah. Um, and Dorless was a huge part of kind of keeping that D line looking really good. Um, I felt like, and it made me really optimistic about, you know, that duo, um, once Thibodeau is back in full health, which obviously his status is up in the air for this game on against Ohio State this Saturday a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he'll play. Oh, he'll um, play. Yeah. Yeah. It, I have no that's what it seems like. Um, I don't know. You know, that's not inside information, but it's such a big game. And he, what the way he was kind of testing it out on the sideline made me think if he absolutely had to go, he could. And this is, you know, you don't really hold them out for, for this game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Dorless was a big one for me. Um, and then I think someone else on the D line, I think Popo Mave deserves some respect. Uh, yeah. I th- he had a really good game up the middle, um, which is kind of, he's one of those names where like, he's been behind Jordan Scott for so long at nose tackle. You kind of forget about him a little bit. Um, but he has had some good plays, had a sock, sack against UW a couple of years ago is the big play that comes to mind. Um, and I mean, yeah, he was just a force up the middle all day. Uh, and from what I hear, Ohio State do have a couple problems at like center right guard, you know, along their interior line. So maybe he can really be an X factor along with Dorless up in there. Um, but yeah, Popo definitely deserves some praise uh, for his performance. Um, yeah, if there if there is an issue, it's with uh, with the um, Ohio State front. It's it's probably in that interior a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm doing a preview um, kind of from a recruiting perspective over on Scoop Duck, uh, comparing Oregon and Ohio State, um, and they have some talent on that O line for sure. Paris Johnson Jr. is a, a huge uh, former five star guy mm-hmm. who's really good, and in general, I think kind of that is an area that I'm really concerned about for Oregon. We'll get into the preview more later, but, you know, rewatching the tape, uh, especially, I think on the first watch, a lot of focus was on the quarterback and the second on the rewatch, I kind of, the Oregon O line just became a little bit worrisome. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Guys, you know, I think Stephen Jones hasn't made the leap that we wanted him to mm-hmm. walk is you know, walk, I, I don't want to pick on him because he's a really good football player for his size and, and physical limitations. But ultimately, uh, you know, him versus Haskell Garrett on Saturday is going to be a pretty, pretty tough matchup yeah. for Oregon to win. Yeah. Um, or JT or T or Jack Sawyer or whoever comes in yeah, yeah. on that Buckeyes D line. It's so. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's tough. Um, Jeremy like Forsyth had some bad reps. Jeremy Miller was good, I think. Yeah, he was good. He was he was impressive. He made me think that there that was another guy who was a real co-starter this year, it felt like, or could be, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that group just overall is, is a little bit rough right now, for sure. Um, <laughs> there's no there's no Penny Sewell on there by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and there's some weak points, you know, with, with especially Jones and walk, 
Um, the the QB eleven stream that we mentioned highlighted a lot, but man, Spencer Webb was yeah, was that's a disappointment. Yeah, um, the man in, cannot block. in the blocking game, especially just yeah, just low effort was the big frustration. Just there was no excuse for it, really. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, even even the other tight ends, like obviously Johnson, guys like DJ Johnson are more so like put in that blocking, like you call him more of a blocker than a pass catcher. Whereas Webb is right. definitely your more wide receiver type guy. Um, but I, even when like Matavao was in there, obviously he's a true freshman Ferguson as well, had a couple bad reps blocking each. Like, it's just, I don't know, not a super promising area of our game. I'm no yeah, offensive but- coordinator. I don't know how to scheme around that, but I mean, it yeah. seems like something that should be able to get better. Like, well, it's just with Webb, it's just he's been in the program now for yeah, what yeah. is this? His fourth year, four in the years, program? yeah. Like, uh, I can, you know, the freshmen I can live with, I, I'm not going to pile on them at all. You know, I think that they're give, giving their best effort and they just haven't transformed transform their bodies right or, or kind of picked up what it's like to do it at this level or had the proper instruction kind of sink in yet. Mm-hmm. But Webb should have. You know, he should have been like been there last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's such a big opportunity for him to take over as a real force in the receiving game if he can just get this straightened out um, and help with the blocking aspect of it. And so mm-hmm. that's what's really disappointing because there's there's reps there. You know, we're asking him to step up and and take over that tight end one role. Um, and it just wasn't a good showing for him on, on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe some other guys who are, I mean, are there any other guys to you who maybe had a worse game than we thought initially? Um, that's kind of it for my list. We sort of touched on everybody, but, um, anyone else for you? No, no, not really. I think, um, I think we got to talk about Brown a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, he didn't have a worse game than I thought necessarily. It was different. I mean, I think we were both a little more redeeming of Brown in the post game than some Oregon fans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't think he played lights out by any stretch of the imagination, obviously, but, but we were just hesitant to say that it was all on him and yeah. we're a little more questioning the play calling and stuff. I think on the rewatch for me, it just became clear you know, it's not so much a problem that he couldn't possibly play well, um, but there were just a few few mistakes that ended up halting drives, a couple throws that were inaccurate, a misread here or there in the um, read option game or the RPO game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it wasn't just one thing. It's not, you know, he had a good throw to Johnny Johnson deep. Um, he had some other, you know, pretty good balls and he read a lot of them, right? Um, I like that he wasn't scared to run the ball. Um, he was fine. You know, he had one really good throw that was highlighted on the stream where, where he fitted in this window between two linebackers Mm -hmm. for like a 15, 20 yard gain. That was awesome. So he can do it. Um, but it's gotta be cleaned up a lot by, by, this Saturday and you hope that the old adage kind of that the biggest jump comes from week one to week two 
holds true for this team because you know if they do put it together there's there's definitely some building blocks here for sure and and there are some reasons to think that you know it will be an improvement uh after this week i think yeah one thing i wanted to mention about brown and it seems like it might be kind of nitpicky but i feel like with the way ohio state played last week it could be a bigger deal um Something QB and Hithleday did a good job pointing out was he has a pretty low release point for quarter for yeah. quarterback who's 6'3. Um, Ohio State deflected five passes last week. Uh, so that's something I highlighted in my opponent preview, which by the way should be coming out in a couple days here uh, for the Daily Emerald. But I mean, that's not something that that's another thing where like it could end up killing a drive, you know, a big third down and you just get it batted down at the line of scrimmage, like. I mean, it's as good as an incompletion, right? So, um, I don't know. That That's just a little nitpick thing to watch for. Um, maybe some guys who had a better game against – or, I mean, do you, do you have anything else on Brown before I move to some more positive aspects? No, I think we're there. I think, you know, I would just say I'm kind of over the, the quarterback competition for now. I think we're in game week at this point. This is the one we've had circled. It's kind of behind us for now, I think. Yeah, we got what we got. We got it. Yeah. You know, as as fans, it's time to just rally behind Brown, push through this game. I think, you know, I think that he gives us the best chance to win this Saturday, and I think that's important enough to play him right now. And mm-hmm. then who knows what happens after this, right? Um, mm-hmm. As we talked about, the schedule after this game sets up well for the Ducks, you know, Stony Brook's a very easy game, but even Arizona and Stanford really with how they've looked this past weekend yeah, yeah. are pretty easy games too. And then it's a bye week and then it's a big test down to when we go down to UCLA. So obviously that's getting ahead of ourselves, but ultimately I think what we know now is, is Brown, at least according to the coaching staff, gives us the best chance to win this Saturday. Mm-hmm. We go all out, try to win, see what we can get. And we'll learn something about this team on Saturday for sure and reevaluate. And then the next state to circle is that UCLA game and we'll figure it out by then. But for now, you got to just, you know, deal with what Anthony Brown gives you. And I think there is, you know, a path to victory here for Oregon. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think there's a path even with Anthony Brown at quarterback. I, I believe that at least. Yeah, definitely. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um as for now, like some other guys I just want to highlight along the defense, I think Mace Funa actually had a pretty decent game. Um, yeah. Somebody that we were kind of harsh on last year, um, lost a lot of his speed that we saw that made him almost a border, you know, made him like a borderline five-star coming in, right. gave him that great freshman season. Um, he seems to be quicker, so that's nice to see. Uh, Mikhail Wright had a great game, um, honestly. Forced a fumble yeah. that wasn't recovered by us, but, I mean, he showed some great speed getting out uh to tackle same with we mentioned bridges did that well too um but that's obviously a key thing is your corners being able to tackle against ohio state yeah i mean mikhail was kind of a a classic situation where it just didn't seem like he was um you didn't hear his name called that much almost so you kind of forgot about him but he had two tackles (laughs) for a loss he was he was awesome and he's going to be a really important player this Saturday, as we'll say. Um, another guy that really stood out to me was was Jason Jones up front. I oh, think yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I had really – a lot of people wanted to see what he looked like last season, and we never really got the chance. Um, mm-hmm. But then in, in this game, he looked, you know, like everything that we'd hoped to see from him, really. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, he's still putting together the pieces, but uh, especially in the context of watching that Georgia game later and seeing some of those big boys on the D line, oh you know, Jason Jones was the one guy out there on our defensive line who was like massive, you know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. have it all put together yet, but it was like, Hey, that's one guy who that's, that's a legit, you know, body type that can compete at the top level of the sport on the interior D line. Um, and I think he has a really, really bright future ahead of him for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a great shout. Uh, I, I, he wasn't on my list, but that's a good one. Um, he did have a big game and you're right. That can't make a big difference. Um, real quick, couple guys on offense. Um, CJ Riddell kind of had a, you know, he didn't have a ton of carries, didn't have a ton of yards, but um, he, I feel like, and I would have to look at the drive chart to see exactly when this was, but I want to say it was our final scoring drive, with, which Brown finished off, that I'm pretty sure it just started off with like a three or four Verdell carries in a row. Um, a couple first downs, like kind of got us going. And it reminded me of the UW game in 2019 where stuff wasn't going our way. We just like, it's one of those occasions where Mario's like sticking to the ground game actually works. And we really built momentum off of like a few really good carries, really just solid gains up the middle. Um, and that can really, you know, change how a defense looks at you. Um, and even well, so will. it just changes your, your offensive lines confidence even. Cause I mean, for all the, you know, shit we're talking about how bad they were in pass pro, I think they were pretty good at uh, run blocking today or not yeah. today against Fresno. Yeah. I think, I think they were definitely better in the run blocking game. I will also say, you know, that was kind of one of the things that Minnesota really did. Ibrahim pounded mm-hmm. the rock Definitely, yeah. for, for, you know, four or five, six yard gains over and over again against the Buckeyes. Um, and we were critical of, of, you know, that philosophy of, of play calling a bit on the pod after last game. And I maintain that, you know, explosive plays are absolutely crucial mm-hmm. um, to, to put up the points that you need to compete at the highest level of college football. But you're right that, you know, there are times when pounding the ball at least at least a bit and kind of getting up in the field position um, can help establish a rhythm for your offense for sure, help you settle in. And I think there is potential for Oregon to do that on Saturday. I think it's it's probably going to be crucial that they are able to do that on a few drives um, if they want to be competitive. Yeah, and I mean, another thing we mentioned is like it'd be nice to see uh... – Trey Benson or Byron Cardwell get some carries in this game. But I mean, if we're being honest, that's just not the way it shook out. Like we didn't have the time to be messing around. Not, not that I don't, you know, trust those guys to give us solid carries, but I mean, it's hard throwing freshmen in there like that um, in a game that's so tight. Um, And it's going to be the same way against Ohio state. And like, yeah, I know a lot of fans want to see like a bigger ball carrier, um, Verdell and Dyer just kind of more classic like speed rushers. But I mean, the reality is like, this is who we got, you know, it's, it's kind of similar with yeah. Brown. Like these are our running backs. We we've seen them do very well in the past. Like we've seen our offensive line, you know, <laughs> maybe not this version, but we did see flashes in that game where like they were really, really good and run. Um, and yeah, like you said, if Minnesota can do it, obviously they have a really good O line, but I mean, it seems like something, even if we don't do it to that extent, I mean, they had over 200 rushing yards, like we should be able to do something. Um, 
Right. Final, final guy I want to point out is Micah Pittman. Um, even though he only finished with three catches, 40 yards, um, there were a couple different plays where he was open um, and Brown just missed him. Uh, whether, like QB said, it was just maybe not his turn in the read and like he didn't make it that far to Pittman, like another guy was open for a lesser gain. Like Pittman still did a really good job getting open. Uh, he was missed a couple times as well, just on throws or maybe one time. Um, so I don't know. Him and Johnny Johnson obviously aren't the biggest guys. Uh, a lot of people want to see more Devin Williams type, you know, bigger guys who can go up and challenge for the ball, high point it. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you're open, you're open. Uh, and if Pittman can shake his guy and get open, then throw the ball to him because we all know he has speed. We all know he has the athleticism to fight for extra yards. So I would love to see him getting the ball more. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think Pittman had a really good, good game for sure that just didn't end up showing up on the stat sheet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Franklin and Thornton too are guys that didn't really get to, to show much of their stuff. Um, and I think it, we should note it kind of came out afterwards that both those freshmen were a little bit dinged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of those examples of sometimes I think, you know, the rotational stuff fans get upset about, uh, sometimes we just don't have all the information in terms of who's available, who's, who has a slight injury and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully we see that ball kind of spread around a bit more on Saturday because we need, we need all our weapons who can, who can try to create a play and, and we need those guys to be fresh also. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, any, anyone else you got from who you thought had a maybe better game than we originally thought? Uh, no, I think that's it pretty much. Um, Steve Stevens had a solid game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, and, and it was cool to see him out there. Finally, he's a super talented guy. Um, I think Swinson had a good game. I expected him to bridges and Manning were both solid, you know, for what they did. I think there were some issues with, with playing a little bit, a bit too soft in coverage. Um, and, and Chris will even said that that was kind of a miscommunication that happened, mm-hmm. but overall it, it wasn't like, I felt like, uh, Bridges and Manning were holding us back or they weren't playable versus Ohio State at all. So it was, it was good to see them out there and, and see them, uh, you know, do their part. See them healthy um, as well. Um, and yeah. by the way, we, we are getting uh, DJ James and Jamal Hill back for the Ohio State game, which is pretty huge news. Um, yep. I think that was – was that out by game day? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it was, it was kind of vague, but it was out. I think he, he basically, he had said they were suspended for the Fresno state game a, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago, but I think he hadn't explicitly said that they were available to play this week. Exactly. So it was confirmed. Cool. Well, yeah, that kind of wraps up our Fresno state talk. Um, maybe if we, you know, uh, if you have any, we'll, we'll definitely revisit stuff from this game in the future, but, um, as far as stuff we want to mention goes, that's kind of where it ends. Um, okay. Let's go national a little bit. Talk week two. Um, didn't see a ton of, I mean, well, maybe that's not true. Uh, there's some movement in the polls. I'll just say that much. Uh, Ducks dropped to 12. Who cares? Uh, Ohio state goes up to three. Also who cares? Uh, as expected, Georgia's it's Bama, Georgia one, two, and pretty much every poll and Ohio state one, two, three. 
Um, Oklahoma, Clemson, A&M kind of sneaking around there um, around the top five. I think Penn State's a really interesting team that gets ranked all over the place. Um, you know, coming off a big win, obviously you don't know how good Wisconsin is. You don't know how bad Penn State is. Um, I think it's safe to say, though, that like Georgia – Clemson are pretty similar level, and so they should be similarly ranked. Um, I don't Georgia really, and Clemson, you said? Yeah, yeah. I don't really understand people dropping Clemson like out of the top seven. Um, which yeah. I've, I've seen a couple like homemade polls doing that, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I agree in a sense, but I well, I don't know. I guess they're who else would go ahead ahead of them really yet? That's um, the thing is like at the end of the day, they played the consensus number two team very close didn't give up yeah. an offensive touchdown. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I do think, you know, there's always this, these polls are so ridiculous in some sense. They really there's are. Always, I feel like, silly just talking about it right now. <laughs> there's always some projecting that goes on. Um, but I think, you know, Clemson's schedule is pretty easy. I mean, like very easy, not pretty easy. Like, extremely easy but yeah um i do think maybe there's a chance for them to slip up based on how they looked saturday at the same time because if that it's tough to know just how good the georgia defense is you know obviously it was really really good but Mm -hmm. um is clemson just going to go back to scoring you know 40 plus on every other team they play yeah Uh, and i mean every team plays different every week like right. your defense can have a bad game and the next game have a good game, you know, like right. nothing we know about these teams are set in stone. But uh, someone like, like NC state Clemson plays in week four. That's a game I I'm going to be watching closely. Cause I think NC state, mm-hmm. I think could be pretty good. And uh, it's, it's at home for NC state. I believe, you know, we're getting ahead a bit here, but Clemson could drop a game like that. I think people assuming that they'll just go 12 and 0 or, or 11 win the next 11 here um, is a bit early because we've seen them drop games like that before. Even when they mm-hmm. had maybe better teams, they lost at Syracuse one year. Um, they've lost at NC state before they've, you know, it's college football at the end of the day. And even if there's not a ranked team on there, there's always a potential to slip up. Uh, when you have the flaws that Clemson looked like they had on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. In most polls, like Oregon's hanging around the usual suspects like Penn State, USC, Texas, um, who we've kind of come to expect. It's good to see UCLA get some recognition in there. Um, and this is kind of what we wanted to lead into talk to. Uh, they sort of replace, well, not sort of, they do replace UW as the fifth Pac-12 team in the standings. Um, it's good to see a lot of Pac-12 representation in the in the top 25. And again, we've mentioned this before, like, yeah, we still don't really have a bona fide top 10 team and that's fine, you know, uh, or, or really a top five team. And that's what separates us from the rest of the power five right now. Um, but, well, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I want to say that's okay, but it's really not okay, you know. <laughs> just is what it is. That's the reality. And if Oregon or USC can step up and have a good season, then yeah, we will find one of one of them in the playoff, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's just where we're at right now. Um, yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> what can you say? But 
ultimately, you know, I mean, UCLA played LSU really, you know, beat them really well, uh, pretty dominantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that was a huge win for the conference. I think, you know, the interesting thing with UCLA just replacing UW is it's not quite as simple as that just because now the North is all on Oregon's shoulders. And, it really uh, is. <laughs> And the South is starting to look pretty good with four ranked teams. That's a, that's a legit mm-hmm. division there. Um, super legit. But the North was really bad on Saturday. I mean, um, yeah, Oregon was the only team to win and we all know that wasn't, that was far from convincing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely bad for the conference. I think ultimately this, the thing is people are so focused on the playoff um and and even just the top 25 as a whole that they don't even pay attention to how bad some of your lower teams are a lot of times mm-hmm. which is going to benefit the Pac-12 in this instance <laughs> i think oftentimes it's worked the other way uh but now i think there's going to be so many people who who probably just assume Stanford is a pretty solid team this year just outside the top 25 mm-hmm. and that obviously won't be the case at all um I don't think those people watch the Kansas state game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. people want to watch the Kansas state game and people will assume, you know, I mean, people probably will realize that about Washington by now, but that they're, that they were pretty fraudulent. But mm-hmm. anyways, I think the PAC 12 is, is in a weird position because UCLA LSU was the biggest game of the weekend um, for the conference heading into it. And it couldn't have really gone any better for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then so many of those lower card games uh, didn't go the conference's way at all. Um, and but hey, I wonder, most of those were after dark. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know if people were paying attention to the rest of them. So, yeah, I don't know. It ultimately, though, Oregon controls its own destiny going forward. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, they're going to be probably ranked. You know five to seventh or something five to eighth maybe if they lose they're going to slide to 15 to 18 type of range and mm-hmm. then you know we'll wherever it goes from there they'll probably win out until ucla so oregon's in a fine spot i think their conference won't really handcuff the ducks too much at all yeah yeah i agree um We'll get into some Pac-12 matchups as we go, but let's start with the biggest matchup of this weekend. You all know it. You've been waiting for it. Um, probably the biggest game you've had circled on your schedule all year. Uh, it is Kansas at Coastal Carolina, baby. Got this one on a Friday night. Um, it's going to be lit, man. I can't wait for this. Uh, we have a team that stormed the field last week against South Dakota. Uh against a team that, you know, its biggest claim to fame is a bunch of mullets in a weird teal color. Um, so, yeah, who you got in this one? No, what about the Chanticleer mascot? I mean, it's that's, a pretty cool name. That's up there on the claim to fame. Anyways, yes. 25 and a half, do you dare take Kansas? No, I do not dare take Kansas. In fact, I might bet Coastal on this. Um <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the way to go. On to some real important games. Um, El Asico uh, between the Iowa schools. That's always a fun one. Um, 
depending on your definition of fun. Uh, this is the game day sort of game. It's, it's very quickly. Is game day there? Yeah, game day is there. Most, really? Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, I our, our game is the Fox game. So, I mean, they have incentive to go there anyways. Also, it's now all of a sudden it's a top 10 matchup. Um, wow. Yeah, because Iowa snuck in at number 10. Yeah, no, I saw that. <laughs> I just didn't realize game day went there. I yeah. probably should have, but I was busy today or whenever. Yeah, it was man, and Pate's going there. Uh, that's the, Yeah, I saw uh, Pate's going there. Yeah. Um, so that, that should be very intriguing. I took Iowa plus four and a half. Um, I don't know. I, I was obviously, if you watched Iowa State last week, then first of all, have mercy on you. Uh, second of all, they did not look very good against Northern Iowa. They only won by like a touchdown. So, um, yeah, I got Iowa in that one. They beat up on uh, Indiana pretty bad, but I just think they're kind of a better team. And they always beat Iowa State. Uh, for all the success Iowa State's had in recent years, they've never beaten Iowa um, under uh, Matt Campbell. So um, that'll be a good one. I don't know if you have a pick for that. Uh, again, this could upset a lot of people's like sexy playoff pick of Iowa State. Yeah, I'm just excited to watch it. I don't know if I would go so far to claim a side, but I'm, I'm super excited to watch it either way. It'll be fun. Um, get that Oregon, Ohio state game in, record the podcast. And then, and then whether I'm, you know, just celebrating and enjoying it or, or enjoying it and trying to forget about what just happened <laughs> either way, I'll be a good time. Well, there'll be something to do. <laughs> Uh, that one's a, a 130 kick um, on, uh, I think it's on the four letter network. Um, Texas and <laughs> Arkansas, Texas at Arkansas, right? Or is it in Jerry World? Um, no, it's at Arkansas. It's in Fayetteville. Um, this is, this is a losable game for Texas, but I think it's a lot less losable than it looked preseason if that makes sense um i saw so many people so high on texas it was i mean i thought that they looked good enough against louisiana too but it was just we've seen um, it too many times at this point even with a new yeah, coach exactly. i just i'm gonna need to see them win a real big game before i yeah before i'm not crazy, super high on texas they're ranked 15th um up from what was it like 19th last week uh 21st last week um did you see what rj young had them at god he had them in the top 10 didn't he he had them sixth oh my god um that's just ridiculous to me arkansas had some trouble in the first half with rice briefly um that's all i'll say about that i i got texas in this one um yeah, spreads a touchdown to the horns, and uh, I think I might think I might take them in that one. You um, dub at Michigan. This again has become a much more interesting game than it was previously. Uh, the spread has moved to a touchdown to well, Michigan. It was, it was still interesting. Previously. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it was. But I mean, now it's like it's do or die for the Huskies having to make a net. Well, maybe not that. Yeah, but. I don't know. It, it just feels like 
so much more important for them now. Um, and in a weird way, it kind of is like, obviously they, they would be in a better place if they hadn't lost to Montana, but now this is like, I mean, it becomes so much more helpful for them if they can go into the big house and get this win. Uh, line has moved from a pick to a touchdown uh, in favor of Michigan. Um, do you think the Huskies can pull it off? I don't know if you watched any Michigan last week beating up on a directional school, but um, I don't know. I, I don't see a reason why. Actually, I, what am I saying? Gosh, I'm just – talking out of my ass here um i definitely see many reasons why washington can lose this game <laughs> um, <laughs> i guess the better question to ask is like this is what i posed on twitter a while ago in the off season um do you want washington to win this game uh at this point no i mean <laughs> why would like it's one thing when they were gonna potentially be like a top 15 top 20 resume resume piece for Oregon mm-hmm. but they've just now it's just time to see <laughs> see it burn to the ground I think um, there's an interesting stat brought up on Twitter by someone about how like I think four teams have have lost to FCS teams as ranked uh, while they were ranked before yep. and one of them was Michigan one of them was Michigan. One of them was Oregon State. Um, but they all kind of turned it around and had solid seasons afterwards, was was this guy's point. Mm-hmm. I kind of say that's a four-team four sample size, so maybe a little small to draw any real conclusions. But overall, I, I think there's something there in that, you know, just because they have this one result doesn't mean that they need to be written off entirely. My my critique of them comes more from the fact that John Donovan is their offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, and I just think that they are a mess uh, organizationally rather than it does like, oh, you lost to Montana, so you can't possibly be a good team going forward. I think that they could turn it around. And I think that good, good teams are not – you know, early in the seasons, teams that will go on to become good can lose games that are really embarrassing in college football. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see the ingredients at Washington for them to turn it around. In kind of soaking up the aftermath of that, sort of the day after, and even later that night after we were done recording, like, and just reading some of the Seattle Times articles that came out, like, hearing Lake's comments about it post game, it was just like, dude, it, it kind of put in perspective, like this was a program that legit and, and a head coach that legitimately thought that they could be where we are like PAC 12 possibly playoff contenders. Yeah. Legitimately thought that. And then you lose the first game of the year to Montana. Like right. that, that shows you, you have a real lack of perspective about what's going on in your own office in your own stadium every day. Like, well, I mean, just to be honest though, like Cristobal had some, like he, I mean, Cristobal wasn't even a first time head coach, but we had some moments, not as bad as losing to Montana, but like the way that we got destroyed in Holman and then, following it up losing big at Arizona 
mm-hmm. uh, in that 2018 2018 season were really bad. Um, yeah, that was a tough road stretch. Yeah, and after the Stanford debacle as well. Yeah, you know, because I mean, I do believe Lake knows football, but the organizational aspects of it are a disaster. The hiring process is so bad. You know, I mean, Cristobal had Arroyo on his OC, though. Like, it was a holdover from before, but still, he didn't, he didn't, you know, make that the first change once he got in, which, in retrospect, probably should have been what happened. Um, and but at the end of the day, like, Cristobal already had, I mean, he always had that underlying, like, energy about him, and he always had the recruiting to back it up. Like, exactly. he was always getting new talent. And Lake very obviously has not done that. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is there's, you know, some of this stuff is normal. Like Lake, of course, he doesn't really know how to run a program yet. Like most first-time head coaches don't. Mm-hmm. These, that, that's the issue is these growing pains were inevitable and, and Husky fans couldn't see them. Um, they thought he would just step in and be the best head coach in the country because he was good in the apple cup or not even that, but like replacing Chris Peterson, that's a very hard thing to do. Chris Peterson was a really good coach. Yeah. And program manager as we're talking about. Yeah. Um, So yeah, really important game for Lake and for Harbaugh on the other side of it with Michigan. Um, If anything, now there's kind of what I meant to say earlier was there's more pressure on Michigan to win this game than there was before. Um, I mean, now if you lose this, like you're losing to, I mean, it's never, I never, I don't always think it's good to do this as a healthy exercise, but they're going to be saying, fans are going to be saying it regardless. If Michigan loses this game, they will have lost to a team that lost to Montana. (laughs) Yeah. Period. Like, right. Obviously, like Michigan would beat Montana, but like, yeah, the, obviously the transitive process famously does not work in college football. That's the word I was but, for. But at the same time, fans also famously love to bring it up. So yeah, yeah, it will definitely be brought up. But more so what I'm saying is that like, I mean, after seeing what Washington did in week one, Michigan now looks at this as a definite should win. Um, yeah, right. And I mean, can you really blame them? Like after seeing how Washington performed in week one? No, like, yeah, no, of course not. It is now. Um, yeah, no, that's true. It it brings a lot more pressure on Michigan. Before there was, there was a way to make an excuse or you know, save Harbaugh still if he loses to Michigan, or if he loses to Washington. Um, but he does well in in conference. But now it's he really can't lose this game. Yeah. Um, that's a 5 p.m. kick uh, on, I believe it's on ESPN. Um, one matchup I, I just want to mention, I don't really want to break it down, but AM versus Colorado and Denver. Uh, we talked about this one earlier in the year. It's like, you know, probably not an upset, but it's more so like if Colorado can keep it competitive going into the second half or maybe even the fourth quarter, like that, that'd be really nice to see for the conference. Um, then that South looks really good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Haynes King um, is AM's new quarterback. He had a pretty good game against like Kent State or something in week one. Yeah. Um, but he also, it was, it was a very like hot and cold game. Like he had some really good drives and then like some really bad drives. 
so who knows? Maybe maybe Colorado can pull it off. Uh, they should have a crowd advantage in in Denver. So I guess I'll be kind of a gauge for how I really feel about Colorado's fan base. Um, Stanford at USC is always important. Um, <laughs> we were talking about Michigan Washington being a must win for Harbaugh. This is now very much a must win for Helton. Uh, obviously he's been on thin ice for a while now already, but um, again, just seeing how is your opponent performed in week one, like your USC, you cannot like fuck this one up. Um, 17 point favorites. They're at home in the Coliseum. Um, but USC is just, they're, they're kind of similar to Washington, especially in conference. They just, they're always gonna fuck to up at in, some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They always seem to get in these tough situations with teams that, that shouldn't beat them. Um, and, and we've Stanford seen it so many bad, times you know. against Stanford, though, with USC yeah. in this week yeah, two exactly. matchup. Some, yeah. Something about those logos just tells me it will be closer, regardless <laughs> of if you took the logos off and I just looked at the rosters, I would tell you that USC should win by 20 plus. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, Shaw versus Helton, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who do you think has the edge there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also just realized that I used Harbaugh as a transition for that when maybe Harbaugh's one of his most famous wins and his kind of breakout win was at coaching in the Coliseum with right. Stanford in that like 44 point spread or whatever it was and beating Pete Carroll. Um, right. So who knows, you know, crazier shit's happened. Um, yeah. A couple others I want to see. Um, they're kind of, to be honest, you know, Oregon, Ohio State, and Iowa, Iowa State are are pretty big, uh, pretty big, are ahead of the rest of the schedule by a pretty large margin. Yeah, I guess yeah. I should say in terms of significance. Um, but I want to see UAB at Georgia just because <laughs> I think we'll learn some things about Georgia. They played True. so yeah. well against Clemson, but they played like a certain style of game there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I just want to see how much how much can Georgia's offense put up against a team that's not Clemson. Um, yeah. Do you think they cover the 25? I don't know. I really have no idea. You yeah, know, it's a really tough I, one. It's an interesting I, I, It's just the game is, they played. They were so impressive, but in a certain type of game. And I think the game they played against Clemson, even though they were awesome in it, Ultimately, that is the exact type of game Georgia wants to win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they want to play, and they did an amazing job of it. But they're not going to be able to play that game against everyone. Um, and so I think, you know, some people might just overlook that UAB game, but I think it could have, it, you know, it could teach them some things about a team that everyone has number two in the country right now. So, just based on that alone, it's pretty important. And then the other one is Utah BYU could That's be a good one. Game. I had yeah seven seven point spread there. I'm all um, over that for Utah, all over it. You're all you you're choosing Utah. Oh, big time! Yeah, I think yeah. I already, I think I already put money on them. Um, yeah, I think BYU has some kind of holdover publicly from what they did last year. But I mean, they just beat Arizona by eight and. 
And Utah's a hell of yeah. a lot better team than Arizona. Yeah, exactly. Um, real quick, back on Georgia and especially their defense. Um, I I dislike a lot of things in sports media um, that are you know played up for clicks and stuff. Maybe the worst, like the thing I hate the most about college football media specifically, is that. Jordan Davis and Kayvon Thibodeau are nowhere to be found on your Heisman list. And they very well damn should be. Um, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Uh, yeah. When I, when I'm King uh, defensive lineman will be seriously considered for um, Heisman candidates. Um, okay. Yeah. Definitely got my eye on BYU Utah as well. That's seven fifteen kick. Uh, who knows what channel it's on? Probably Pac-12. Uh, if you want some real late night stuff, it's on ESPN. Um, oh, okay, cool. Uh, real late night stuff is Hawaii, Oregon State, uh, which starts at eleven Eastern. That's what eight Pacific. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Beavers hosting the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, Oregon State eleven point favorites. Obviously, Hawaii's had a rough couple weeks. I can't remember who they played last week, but I think they lost. Um, obviously they lost big to UCLA in week zero. We're going to see uh Cal get killed at TCU also. Oh, that's a good one. Actually. Uh, that's, that's kind of similar to UW where like, if they can pull out a win, that's, you know, um, yeah, I just think TCU is pretty good. Honestly. Do you have a spread on that? 11 and a half. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Um, Cal just lost to Nevada by five. Basically, I don't know. every <laughs> terrible, but basically every uh, Pac-12 North team other than us is facing like an important game this week for uh, making a bowl game purposes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's pretty unfortunate, but that's kind of the reality. Um, but yeah, another thing I forgot to mention earlier on Washington is like we'll see how many of these uh, Pac-12 minnows they can beat up on during these during the season. Because um, they're again week one observation wise, there seem to be quite a bit of them in the north. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, I think we got all the Pac-12 matchups. Um, Arizona State hosts UNLV. That should be a win. Arizona hosts SDSU. That should be a loss. Um, Wazoo hosts Portland State. Maybe they'll lose that game. That would be funny. Um, But, yeah. Okay, that's all the Pac-12 games. Um, Let's get into the one we actually care about this week. Uh, It's the Ohio State game. I just got done with my preview today for this game. And, dear God, I... I don't have a great feeling about this, obviously. Um, A lot of fans haven't felt great about this all summer. Some have gone as far as to like chalk up a loss already and like sit, you know, sit KT if he's not a hundred percent and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not that far along, but uh, since the preseason, the lines moved pretty significantly. Uh, This time last week we were staring down, 10 points, maybe nine, nine and a half. Um, and now it's 14 and a half pretty quickly. Uh, but something that was pointed out to me today, um, or caught my attention today, uh, was that, and 
I think it was Tom Fornelli on the cover three pod who said this, uh, like, what do we really know about Ohio state that we didn't think beforehand? Like we honestly didn't learn a ton about them from the Minnesota game. Um, just based on the way it was played. And like, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel any differently about Ohio state than I did before. Like the things that won them the game were the things that we already knew they were good at. Right. Um, defensive yeah. line, wide receiver, running back. CJ yeah. Stroud didn't look out of this world, but he looked good, you know? Right. I mean, I think we learned that CJ Stroud wasn't Bryce Young. I think that's yeah, a that's fair. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, a, that's something that's actually important because he could have been and he didn't look like Bryce Young, you know? And if he was, if he looked at that level, then Oregon would be in a really tough spot. Um, still, like you said, I, I mean, I'm working on my own preview. I'm doing an offensive one that I think will be posted on Wednesday, probably, and, and a defensive one should be posted shortly after that. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a tough game for sure. I think I have some optimism um, about Oregon's defense's ability to stop the Ohio State offense. Really? You look at, you look at this spread and it's, um, it's 60. Well, it's, it's a 14, 14 and a half point spread. And then it's a 63 and a half over under. Mm-hmm. So that, converts to like a 39 25 ish win for Ohio state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have some optimism about Oregon's ability to hold uh, Ohio state to closer to 30, maybe. Um, <laughs> I think one thing is, is the more I look at this Ohio state receiver room, I'm just a little less scared about it. Scared. Really? Of it than than I think a lot of other people are. I think the thing that that for me is is you say these names like I mean I was doing the preview and and Fleming, Egbuka, uh, Garrett Wilson, and and Smith and Jigba are all five stars, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't really utilize this all those guys very much at all. Mm-hmm. So so the stat is in twenty twenty, uh, it's. Basically, the point is, it's the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave show, period. Mm-hmm. In 2020, they combined for 1,452 yards and 93 receptions. No one else on the roster had more than 154 yards on the season hmm. or 13 receptions. Those two guys eat up a ton of the passes uh, for the Ohio State offense. And they did the same thing versus Minnesota in week one. Um, so I don't want to downplay this too much. I mean, Olave and Wilson are two of the best receivers in the country for sure. But Oregon has a decent secondary. You know, I think if it's going to have to be on Mikhail Wright to come out and really try to lock up one of those guys as much as they can, mm-hmm. as much as he can. Um, I think you have Jamal Hill back. Uh, you know, Ruckert is a solid tight end. He's, he's probably going to be the best tight end on the field for either side, but he's not a game breaker completely. Um, I think Jamal Hill being available in that matchup will be big for Oregon. Um, so 
I, I don't know. I think there is some possibility for Oregon to disrupt Ohio State more than the Minnesota team was able to. And I think C.J. Stroud looked very, um, you know, capable of, of making mistakes or, or letting that offense kind of sputter. Uh, so that's the recipe for me is, is that Oregon kind of tries to drive down that Ohio State total to, you know, 28 or 31 around there. Um, and, and it's just because I think people, people think of that Ohio state receiver room as so loaded. There's no way you can, you can possibly plug all those holes, you know, but that's just really not the reality of it. It's, it's more like just two, two dudes who are absolute beasts, but at least there's a clear vision. There is, is you get Mikhail right to shut down one of them as best as he can and you dedicate a hell of stuff to the other person. And if you can do that, I think they'll be disrupted a lot more than people realize, probably. I I don't share the same level of optimism as you, um, and I have it in a different place along that matchup. I think our defensive line can, if our, and you mentioned this, but if our defensive line can really disrupt Stroud, I mean, at the end of the day, you can have all the receiver talent in the world. If your quarterback can't get the ball out or he's rushed on every single play, like you're kind of, you know, handcuffed on offense. Um, so I think, I mean, it's, it's going to be a really, really interesting. I'm really interested to see how Deruder plays this. Um, Cause obviously like you're going to have to respect the run. You, you just can't not ignore that or you can't ignore that. Sorry. Um, that three-headed monster in the backfield is just really tough to overlook. Um, but if we can get him into passing downs and if we can get to Stroud and make him, you know, make rush decisions. Um, we talked about Dorless and Popo had great games last uh, against Fresno. You know, they have struggles along the interior line. If we can push him back, make that work, then I think we're in pretty good position and this is kind of where Mario's offensive game plan might, might benefit us for once. Um, if we can slow the game down, you know, limit the number of possessions and plays they can run, uh, kind of like we're used to seeing, seeing teams do against like Chip and Oregon back in the day, um, you know, that changes the complexion of this game. Like if we just frustrate them, <laughs> even if, you know, they get a couple off, like I think Minnesota did a decent job of this at points where like they were just a frustrating team for Ohio state to play against. Um, the big problem is though, they're just so damn explosive. I mean, what was it like? They only uh, Stroud only needed like five completed passes in the second half to rack up all those points and win the game. Like that's yeah. scary, man. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we talk, they, we heard QB talk about this being more of a bend don't break defense and like, we're used to hearing that a lot with Aliotti um, back in the yeah. day, but man, I, again, I, I think if anything, like our offense can be our best defense in a way. Again, if we can just keep moving the sticks, keep the ball to ourselves, keep running clock, honestly, um, then that can be really beneficial to us in a game like this. And I mean, let's not forget, we have explosive guys of our own on the other side of the ball. Um I know you want to say something, so I'll, I'll let you. Uh, but after that, we should get into some – we talked about, like, advantages and disadvantages matchup-wise that we can see on this field. Uh, and I think one of them is, like, our um, 
are in advantages at least is like our D line versus that like interior line and rushing an inexperienced quarterback. Yeah, I think that's true for sure. I, you know, I think again, I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic. I'm not one of those guys saying Oregon's going to win by 30 or anything like that. Um, or that Oregon will win in general, but I would say when I look at the matchup, I think our, our defense looks a lot, more prepared to play at this level than our offense does Mm -hmm. um and so if i were if you were to just put blinders on me and and not show me the matchup between oregon's offense uh, and ohio state's defense and i'm just focusing on how our defense compares right now i think that we're in a position to play competitively on that side of the ball is Mm -hmm. my point mainly um, I think another area that has to be mentioned from Saturday is, is the turnovers. We didn't see that mm-hmm. at all in 2020. And, you know, that crazy man DeRuiter, somehow <laughs> the stuff he's teaching them was working really well. Um, yeah, what was it, four forced fumbles? Three yeah. of them recovered? Yeah. Yeah, and if, if Oregon can get can win the turnover battle, um i mean they have to i think they have to to win a game right right um and they can uh, this ohio state offense it's just not i don't know it just doesn't quite scare me as much as they have in the past i think ruckert isn't quite at the level they've had at tight end i think again just while them being so focused on wilson and alave in the past game just is kind of strange to me and it and especially with a young quarterback, I just wonder what happens if 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 Wright really is able to disrupt that. You know, it's a big task again, obviously. Um, and then in the running with their running backs, I think I'm a little lower on on Mayan Williams and and Master Teague than some are. I'm scared of Travion Henderson for sure, but I think with Oregon's D line and those linebackers. Um, I think we can contain their run game enough. Uh, it's going to be those explosive plays, you know, can hurt you fast. Mm-hmm. And, and you can you can win 70% of the snaps and still get torched if you if you let those happen. But I think I feel I feel good about where Oregon's defense is at overall in terms of what we've been projecting or thinking about this matchup over the past two years where, you know, having arrived where we are, I think Oregon is in a position to compete on the defensive side of the ball. Real quick on mine Williams. And you mentioned explosive plays to the untrained eye that that first touchdown that mine Williams, like 64 yard run or whatever it was, obviously that looks really good. Like that's just a scheme win right there. I mean, right. If I remember correctly, like dragged a receiver across the short side from the right to the left, uh, from the short side to the open side, um, run it to the boundary, and there was just nobody inside of him on that side of the field. Um, that's the sort of stuff where I have faith that DeRuiter won't get sort of out schemed um, defensively. Again, we're going to play a little more conservatively defensively, meaning like, well, we're willing to give up like some dink and dunk passes. Uh, we saw that against Fresno again, uh, as long as the home run ball isn't there, like that's fine for us. Um, we didn't see many big runs out of them either. I mean, there was that one where I think 
it was Swinson uh, when KT was out, like Swinson didn't seal the edge and Rivers got loose for like a 30 yard gain or whatever. But right, right. Yeah. Even so, like, I mean, obviously, Mikhail Wright is fast. Like, Chris Bridges and Dante Manning and, you know, even Noah Sewell and Flo, like, they're freaking fast, man. Uh, they can go sideline to sideline. They can, they, they can disrupt things. Um, and even like, it's going to come down, unfortunately, to stuff like not giving up on plays. I mean, you can't, you cannot let Olave get loose like he did against Minnesota. I mean, there were right. a, a couple of those plays where he just gets the ball and you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's a decent throw. Like he'll probably go down or get shoved out here. And no, he just like turns it into a touchdown magically. It just runs through defenders. And it's like, okay, <laughs> a little bit of that's on Minnesota at some point. Like, yes, Olave is generational talent, but like, come on, you got to wrap up just general shit like that. So I have faith that our defense can do those sort of things. And you mentioned a great, great point, which is making turnovers. Like people, a lot of times treat turnovers like they're fluky or whatever, um, or lucky, but that is something DeRuiter coaches. Uh, Go read Hithleday's piece about DeRuiter. Uh, He just tweeted it earlier today uh, and it it was posted in the off season, but um, it's definitely worth your time to read. Uh, it's from his film study of DeRuiter. Like, again, he teaches turnovers. Like, you can see it in the tackling. That's why we forced so many fumbles the other day. Yeah. Um, of course, these are all things Ohio State are preparing for as well. But, I mean, preparation is just what you put in. Like, you know, you can prepare. You can out-prep somebody. Um, and, obviously, like, the Ducks know they're the underdogs in this game. Like, they're going to come in with the chip on their shoulders. So, it's those sort of turnovers that can really obviously swing a game in your favor. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mentioned this in, in the first pod after the Fresno state game, but in terms of like our, our offense had a couple short fields, we cashed in 14 points on that pretty easily. There's no reason we can't do that against Ohio state. Um, right. It, I mean, ball security isn't something that grows exponentially uh, from the group of five level to the, you know, Ohio state's level. And by the way, like Fresno's a pretty good team, like, especially at the skill positions and especially running back. Like, I mean, rivers is an NFL, you know, NFL potential guy. Um, and and Hayner played great and he's, he works yeah, really well in that yeah. system. Yeah. So again, like don't get discouraged if we give up a ton of like five and 10 yard gains, like, it's okay. We gotta give it up at some point. Um, I think you know. Also, just I don't know. Maybe I'm just you know. I try to stay away from the hot take stuff and and marrying myself think to things for too long. But I have felt like this whole off season that that I thought Ohio State was just kind of a tier below some of that other those other top five teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you can't talk, we can't just talk about how Oregon is going to improve from week one to two and not give Ohio State that same benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, we have to remember, you know, Minnesota had the ball with seven minutes left in the fourth, in the third quarter um, with a four point lead. Mm-hmm. And they were at their own, they were at their own 40. They were 60 yards from scoring. They get sacked. Um, and, and penalties and they get packed up all the way to a fourth and 28. They punt it to Ohio state on a short field. And, um, 
Ohio State then goes touchdown to go up three on their first play. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson, 56-yard touchdown. Then the very next drive, five plays in, they get a strip sack uh, and yep. return it for a touchdown. Yep. Mind but you, we have oh, a very good punter as well, you know. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, Minnesota had a chance to take that game, and it just shifted in the blink of an eye. Because Ohio State is yep. so good, they put 14 on them like that. But mm-hmm. if Oregon can – just not make those stupid mistakes and punt the ball that Minnesota that did there, you know, if they can do the type of thing that Minnesota did to get to that position, which they organize all the talent to do, and then they can just get in that spot. And rather than punt there, they just are just that bit better to not make the stupid penalty. And they get that first down and they, get a field goal to go up seven to give them more momentum or they get it all the way and punching a touchdown and they make, they then make Ohio state drive the full length of the field to get it back, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we don't fumble the ball in a key spot. Anthony Brown is smart enough to not throw the pick, you know, that, that lets Ohio state back in the game. Ohio state is not, at least they didn't look like a juggernaut on Thursday completely. There's a ton of talent on that roster, but they relied on those explosive plays and and they come through. Sometimes they do, but if you can stop them for long enough to the point where you get that lead um, and, and then you just see if you have that enough of a push on the line of scrimmage to get those, those yards. And then the other factor we're not talking about is, is Ohio state's weakness is its secondary problem. Thank you. Yes. I was going to get one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we do talk about, you know, obviously Cristobal loves to pound the rock. Um, he loves to have CJ run for five yards up the middle. And there will be a heavy dose of that on Saturday probably. But this is a game where there is an opportunity for Oregon to make some explosive plays happen. 100%. And as much as people are going to talk about Ohio State's receiver room going up against our young secondary, Oregon has an advantage on the other side too. And, and Oregon actually, I like them because they have this, have a depth where they do go six deep with guys that can really hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them, you know, can I, of the guys I listed in my piece, Johnny Johnson, Micah Pittman, Troy Franklin, Jalen Red, Devin Williams, and Chris Hudson, those six can all make a special play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that depth is something that I like a lot in an, in an offense. Um, and regardless of the ratings, you know, Fleming didn't really get <laughs> Fleming. Fleming didn't show up and do that. Um, la- on, in his first season at Ohio State, Egbuka, Harrison Jr., and Fleming all didn't have a catch on against uh, Minnesota. I think Smith and Jigba only gained twelve yards. Um. You know, again, it, it's it's Alave and Wilson, and those are two great guys. But Oregon is is more of that team where they're going to keep coming at you with, with you know, f- four, five, and six in their lineup, and all those guys can do damage. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, we certainly have a better receiver group than Minnesota. No disrespect. Yeah. Right. Right. And 
Also, there are some injuries in the Ohio State secondary. I don't know what the status of Proctor is for this game. Maybe you know. Um, but they're a bit banged up there, and they, they weren't a great unit to begin with um, by the standards of that this matchup is going to be played at. Um, so it's a – there. there are possibilities for this team to do well. Again, I think, like you, I was feeling better about this matchup um in the in fall camp for the ducks it wasn't a good showing on offense on saturday and we don't have they didn't show us a reason to believe that they will be better against ohio state Mm -hmm. but if they if they are um there's there's a path here for sure yeah definitely um Proctor, I'm I'm reading an article about it right now, or skimming an article about it right now. Um, they it seems like uh, they say worst case he's out for a few weeks, uh, but we they they just don't know. It's kind of up in the air. Um, probably similar to KT, yeah. although I, I have I'm sure more faith that KT will play than Proctor. Um, I'm sure they don't put out much in, injury information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they keep it under wraps, understandably. Um, but uh, by the way, the first sentence of this article, which is I'll give credits by Ryan Stano at uh, the Ohio State fan cited um, site. <laughs> the first sentence is the Ohio State football team doesn't have a strong secondary. That makes me feel a lot better. Um, and look, I mean, Banks, Banks, too, is out, I think, or questionable, at least their corner, one of their cornerbacks. Yeah, and I mean, the other safety whose name escapes me, I had to look it up like three times today, should be out for the first half for targeting, uh, but got away with it. Um, Ransom, uh, Lathan Ransom. So, you know, take a, you know, doesn't mean anything for this game, obviously. But um, yeah, man, at the end of the day, like, this this is two touchdown spread we see games every single multiple games every single week that are you know overcome with bigger odds so but another another thing i'll say too just mm-hmm. to just while we're in this mode of of how could oregon win what are reasons to give hope and again spreads happen for a reason like you're about to say it is a 14 point spread it can be overcome but it's a 14 point spread and it's that way for a reason oregon should not be favored in this in this game yeah but Joe Moorhead also was the OC at Penn State during the process of Ohio State. I like this a lot. Oregon looks a ton like those top 15 Penn State teams that won just in terms of the talent disparity that's going to be on the field Saturday, if not lesser than that with Oregon. So Moorhead's dialed up game plans to go into Ohio State and beat these teams before. It can happen. I think... You know, I fall somewhere in the middle of, you know, some Ducks fans are just ride with the team no matter what. And I respect that. But, you know, they say that we're going to win absolutely any game we play. Yeah. Um, They'd say we'd beat Alabama by two touchdowns right now, probably. Yeah, And they (laughs) they don't call it hoping they call it like they they say it like it's a fact. And that that's kind of where I, you know, obviously, I hope we win every game. Yeah. that doesn't mean I, you know, have the utmost faith that we will. <laughs> but then the, the the other side, there's a whole, you know, group of long-term Ducks fans. Yeah, yeah a contingent of, of long-term Ducks fans 
who of course have seen the story of playing Ohio State before. I mean, really almost no opponent has dominated Oregon as much as Ohio State. Um, The history is not good. I mean, it's just especially that the, the, the 2009 Rose Bowl and, or I guess 2010 it was when it, the data was actually God, played I, in the 2015 national title game. Yeah, I know. Me too. But those two defeats especially were after such great seasons for Oregon. The Rose Bowl was such a big thing to be back in the Rose Bowl and ha- thought we had a real chance to win it after an amazing run in 2009. And we they just very clearly out. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> 2015 national title we all know the story there Mariota's last year it seemed like we were destined to win a national championship for points in that season yeah until all our receivers stopped yeah and <laughs> and they absolutely dominated us yeah I think it could have been a different story if we had receivers healthy again now's not the time to go down that path Please. we could record a whole offseason podcast on that probably but they we've seen Ohio State stuff our face in the dirts a few times here, and we've never gotten close to having one back on them. So I think people just do think of them as some unbeatable force. Um, and Ohio Oregon fans, they do just have a little bit of that um, Ohio State complex built into them about how we just <laughs> can never compete with them because they're that other team that would match up against us in the Rose Bowl and everything. Um, but teams with the same Ohio, Ohio state has not won 40 straight big 10 games, you know, <laughs> and they, they've lost to Penn States before, um, they've dropped games, you know, and, and I don't think this is one of the best Ohio state rosters, uh, in, in the past five years or something, or in the, you know, at least not, not better than last year's or the year before that, I don't think, um, so t- teams have overcome this talent deficit before. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moorhead was a part of those teams to go back to. My yes. Head. I, and again, I think that's an awesome, like shout you pulled out. Um, I, I absolutely love that. Um, uh, <laughs> some people will laugh that I'm even mentioning this um, as a factor, but uh we just mentioned a ton of reasons we'll, we could keep it close. Um, and as we know, maybe a little too well, what, what's a big factor you don't really think about that always ends up being, you know, a, a big deal in close games? Reed, can you think of one? Oh, God. Do you oh, know where I'm, I'm going with clo- this? <laughs> I'm closing my eyes and all I can see is Maldonado's kick versus USC. <laughs> or Stanford. Or, or the other one in Stanford, or oh god, um, Not uh, like I think Cattleman is a better kicker than Noah Ruggles. Um, the man's name is Noah Ruggles, first of all, which like no, no disrespect, like you know, I, I got a. Yeah, we all got goofy names in ways. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to comment on that one certainly. <laughs> um. I just, man, I, I, I feel like I heard at some point that they don't have a great kicker. He hit a 35 yarder and made all his extra points against Minnesota. Good for him. Like 
if we trot Cattleman out there, I have the utmost confidence in our kicking. We talked about Lewis last week and you have to always caveat that with like, or yeah, we, you have to always caveat the Lewis discussion with like, we don't know what he does in practice. He's probably really good in practice. Good for him. That's great. <laughs> when rubber meets road in the horseshoe, who do you think we're trotting out there at kicker? Like it's going to be Cattleman. And I do have faith that they'll hit that. He'll hit it. Um, Worth noting that he's never really played in front of a crowd like this, but you know, few do have. Really, yeah. Do you think we really will trot Cattleman out there though? If we're if we're going for an actual like forty plus yard field goal or even like thirty five plus, I would be surprised. I would be shocked, honestly, to see Lewis out there over Cattleman. Um, on kickoffs, sure, Lewis, don't care. Extra yeah, points, yeah. as long as he makes it, yeah, don't care. Anything inside, like, 35, 30 yards, go ahead. Um, I would I would very much like to see Henry Cattleman be the kicker uh, for games that, you know, for games in which, like, a 40-plus yard field goal could be a deciding factor in a game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. We know about Tom Snee. Um, I, and again, something that you'll probably laugh at because you're an Oregon fan and you think punting doesn't matter, but um, it does. Uh, it matters. Saw, yeah, dude, we saw Minnesota uh, pin them back deep uh, more than a couple times uh, in that yeah. Thursday game. It makes a difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, just like <laughs> throw out your notepad and just enjoy a college football game and drink some mimosas at 9 a.m with your friends uh yeah make sure you got those alarm clocks set because 9 a.m honestly i don't think that'll be a factor in this game people that's that's a thing that people love to talk about just because they recognized it um Oregon practices in the morning anyways yeah we just played at 11 a.m like it's yeah I, i don't think it'll be a big deal yeah um sweet man (laughs) <laughs> that was solid uh i weirdly feel a lot better about this <laughs> i didn't think i would before we started yeah but, um, yeah to be to be clear i mean i still if i had to put down a prediction i'm still at like probably 31 20 ohio state or something just i'm just being honest yeah if i had to put but, money on it i think we lose and cover um i'm not yeah. gonna put money on this game either way like i thought i would but I never, I, I can't bet anything on Oregon. I don't bet that much to begin with, but I couldn't place anything near Oregon. But either way, I would say, I think we lose cover. And I think I like the under personally, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's not a terrible shout. Um, cool. All right, man. Uh, you got anything <laughs> else about this game or this week or anything? Uh, I just, it's hard to believe that we're actually here, dude. I just am. Yeah. Wait, let's talk real quick. Let's do perspective a little bit. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that actually. Yeah. I mean, this game is just absolutely massive for Oregon. It would be one of the best non-conference wins Oregon's ever had. I would say the best. Yeah, probably the best. What victories does Oregon have over? I mean, Ohio State's the best brand Oregon would have ever beaten in college football. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, USC is, is big too. We beat, and we beat them a fair amount, but. But that's because they're in a conference. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've never beaten Alabama, obviously. Even our bowl wins have come against Wisconsin and, and Kansas State. Um, yeah, really good Kansas State. Don't get us wrong. We've beaten Texas, like, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, just something the about beating, you know, playing Ohio State, first of all, and, and however it comes, just that would be such it, – it's just such a big game. Um, I think Oregon, in terms of national perspective, is in a good spot heading into it, honestly, just because – that line moving against us is probably for the best uh, in terms of at least providing us some protection. Mm-hmm. If we, if we lose by whatever amount in the end, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Like I've said, I would be really surprised if we lose any of our next three games before the UCLA game. Um, yeah. Four. Or I, Four yeah. games. Four yeah, games. Cal too. Yeah. Yeah, I always forget we have Cal actually on that Friday. Yeah. Um, but they honestly don't really change <laughs> the equation. Um yeah, so I mean Oregon, however bit far we fall, ultimately we probably come into that UCLA game unless we bottom out and lose one of those four games, which those four teams are just bad. We come into that yeah. UCLA game top 15, probably, or top 20 at least. Um, just because I think anytime or an Oregon team is five and one, they're going to be in the top 20. Uh, we've built our brand to that point. But anyways, yeah. to stop with that, the just to embrace for a second how amazing this win would be. Yeah. It's, it's so... Yeah, Oregon fans, don't feel guilty, like you know, savoring the thought of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a sport. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it's a, I don't know. I, I will, it will be a wild feeling if we're close in this game. Um, even if it's just competitive, I think it will mean a lot. I think, especially just it being Ohio State, how much they've beaten up on us in the history, like we've said, even playing them close, I think would be, such a huge sign for the older Ducks fans of where this program has come. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ohio state has been that pinnacle for Oregon in some ways, I think, Um, you know, Bama's arrival and and Oregon fans don't envy Ohio state exactly, or they don't like them, but they've been kind of in our face at multiple points. Ohio yeah. or Alabama has been out there way removed. So is Clemson. Yeah. It was the game One that never happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But Ohio state is, you know, rudely reminded us that we don't belong in the top tier of college football a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an opportunity to show that, that we've arrived. Um, and yeah, you know, I, it's crazy because I, I push back against the narrative that in the early 2010s, Oregon was just some sort of gimmicky team um, who wasn't who couldn't compete with the top of the sport. But mm-hmm. ultimately, that was the perception every time that Oregon came out there with, you know, the offense that we ran with Chip and got bullied against against Ohio State um, and, LSU, and a couple yeah, other yeah. times or LSU or 
that Auburn game was really close, but I think in retrospect, some people just wash over that in the same category. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, it, it was funny watching QB 11 stream that at one point he paused and just pointed out kind of the, the roster stars. that we were, yeah, <laughs> yeah that we were walk, working with on defense. It was pretty crazy after even that, even that um, Ohio State national title game. I mean, uh, we had a solid team, but on defense, especially, you know, we were we were thin at a few places and we didn't look like a national title team um, everywhere on on that squad. Um, and now we have a lot of talent. We have we have really good players in that defense, uh, especially. Mm-hmm. Um It'll just be exciting to see. You don't get the opportunity to have this type of measurement stick, I think, against really the elite of the sport that often. And so it's really important that you make the most most of it when you do. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it? I said it better, honestly. I mean, again, this this is like you said, I mean, this is they've been the bully that's always pushed us back down uh, to quote where we belong in the past few seasons when, well, not past few seasons, but you know what I mean? Uh, decade past decade or so where we think we're near the top. Um, if you're an Oregon fan, like in the game leading week leading up to this, like don't talk shit to Ohio state fans. Like, yeah, you're, you're never going to win that argument and you just make us all look like idiots. So please stop. Um, I, I wish I could speak directly to the barstool accounts, but that's a whole other deal. Um, they're, <laughs> they're literally paid to act like idiots. So, you know, as I said, like just enjoy some damn football uh, and root for your ducks. And sometimes I envy the fans who don't like follow this as closely because they can get more excited about these kind of games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know. for me, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I still, as much as I, as we talk through this podcast and I believe Oregon can be competitive in some areas that we discussed, it's, it is tough to imagine the feeling of them actually winning this game. I think it would, it would be only really comparable to, you know, at least in we're younger fans, but the games I can think of are, 2009 USC was a big one um, where Oregon kind of climbed a mountain there. Mm-hmm. The Rose Bowl versus FSU is a huge one versus a big power um, on a playoff stage that that Oregon dominated. Yeah. Michigan State. Michigan State. Those are three that that would be somewhat comparable to this. And all those moments were huge for the program. Yeah, but again, those were all games where coming in, like, you know, we weren't maybe necessarily favored to win all of those, but, you know, it was, I, I wasn't paying attention to spreads at that time, but it seemed like right. winnable games. Don't right. get me wrong, this is a winnable game, but no, like, expert in their right mind just picking Oregon to outright win. Um, that's what kind of right. separates this, and that's what would make it a much bigger win than the other ones. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. I also feel like we just know less about this team in some ways too. You know, True, a lot yeah. of those games, I, I mean, obviously some of them came later in the season or the Michigan State game. We kind of knew the squad we had pretty yeah, well at yeah. that point. 
this game is – I don't know how this team will respond exactly. You mm-hmm. know, there were points last year where obviously they didn't respond great in, in situations of adversity. Um, now we have a new quarterback. We're the next generation is stepping up. You know, Noah Sewell has emerged as more of a bona fide leader. KT is really – I mean, even just in those uh, 10 minutes he played on Saturday – looked so so good to this like defense. we have never had defensive players like this ever. yeah right um and so to really see you know see just what this team has if they can really step up and just have some pushback especially on the defense if they just get nasty and they just refuse to let this game get out of reach for the offense even if they're just battling and keeping us within 10 you know deep into the second half and and even if we don't get those scores but we just fight to keep it within in distance and and keep that opportunity alive into the fourth quarter um i'm just excited to see whatever happens it's gonna we're gonna learn a lot about this team which i think is gonna be really fun yeah same um So, yeah, enjoy yourself, enjoy your family and friends, and watch the game. Uh, Yeah, you got anything else? I'm I'm drained. (laughs) I think we hit it all. Yeah, excited to to see what what we'll be talking about on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Um, As we mentioned, a lot of good games this week, so keep up with it. Enjoy yourself, enjoy life, and go Ducks. Go Ducks.